Catherine, if you could give me a brief um, background on D2L and the company and the, the VLE rights space. Of course. So D2L are a VLE company mm-hmm. and our mission is really to transform the way the world learns. Now that's a big statement, so give, let me give you a little bit of context to that. Sure. The man that founded D2L, John Baker, is truly passionate about education. Mm-hmm. He's from a family of teachers and he believes that it is education above all else that will change the world for the better. Right. So uh, he is, as he is our CEO to this day, he is responsible for ensuring that as a VLE company, we function first and foremost as a teaching and learning company. Mm-hmm. That the technology comes a very close second to that. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit about our company focus. And when we talk about our VLE bright space, and um, we use three words to describe our product philosophy, they are easy, flexible, and smart. Mm-hmm. For the sake of adoption, technology has to be easy to use. Mm-hmm. Um, however, for D2L, easy is really a means to them. It isn't just the end of itself. We also believe that AVLE should be flexible enough to deliver a uniquely personal journey, mm-hmm. flexible enough to cater for all learning modalities, and flexible enough to function as the centre of a learning ecosystem. We also believe that AVLE should be smart. Smart in the sense that it empowers organisations with the ability to drive improvement, design and delivery through the innovative use of data. So that's a little bit about us and um, that philosophy, really, that teaching and learning comes first, technology comes second, um, and the product philosophy combined, has really led to rapid growth for DTL over here in Europe in, in the last two years or so. And amongst the latest and greatest to join our customer list are the universities of Suffolk and Huddersfield who, who join us here today. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Catherine. Um, so I'd like to hear a little bit um, about how you've made that happen. Then, Andy, if you could start off for us, if you could give us a little bit of background on the University of Huddersfield. Absolutely. And how you've uh, brought D2L into your strategic Sure, plan. indeed. indeed. Uh, University of Huddersfield is a medium-sized university in the north of England. Uh, it's a post-1992 university. We have 23,000, approximately 23,000 FTE and we deliver predominantly blended learning. We do have some distance learning courses, sure. but that's something that we may expand over expand over the coming years. Mm-hmm. We are very much embedded with learning technology, and we have been for many years. Learning technology is embedded in every single module, in every single course within the university, and we have a minimum specification for the VLE presence for every module across the institution. Huddersfield prides itself on the quality of its teaching and learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're a TEF gold-rated university, uh, very proud of that. Uh, we also, in 2017, won the HEA Global Teaching Excellency Award. Uh, we're number one in England for teaching. We have um, most qualified teaching staff. Uh, everybody is HEA accredited. And we were University of the Year in 2013. So to, to which rate, teaching is one of our major strengths. Uh, I, th- I think that's one of the reasons why I'm so proud to actually be a member of staff at the University of Huddersfield. It's a great place. With regards to our VLE, mm. over the years we've realised that there are a few problems with our VLE offering, yeah. a few challenges that we have to overcome. One of those is staff engagement and training. Mm-hmm. While we have some fantastically engaged staff who deliver some fantastic modules on the VLE, uh, there are a number of modules where the staff have not gone through any formal training, mm-hmm. and although we've offered these training courses internally to staff, we found that the uptake of those training courses have been relatively low. And this means we have a number of staff out there who only know how to use the basic functionality of the VLE. Sure. Okay. We also tend to have quite a lot of legacy content in some of our modules. Modules mm-hmm. are rolled over from year to year to year. 
and not always tidied up after that rollover. Mm -hmm. uh, so there is there is sometimes content in these modules that is out of date. Mm -hmm. Okay. The other thing is, um, because we started in the early days of learning technology, these modules have kind of grown organically. Sure. So therefore the structure of the modules doesn't necessarily always reflect the teaching practice. Mm -hmm. uh, this makes it quite difficult on occasion for students to actually find their learning content. Yes. Okay. And what we have found is, in a lot of cases, the VLE has been used purely as a content repository, purely as a dumping ground for material for the students, not the active learning environment that we would like it to be. Mm -hmm. The potential knock-on effect of this is, is, is student engagement is lower. Uh, they, they sometimes have found the VLE a little bit difficult to navigate, or it's been difficult to find their content. We want to change that. Sure. We want to change that. And these problems you've uh, encountered are with the previous system you've been They using. are with our incumbent VLE. Yeah. Um, and so I think these are very common issues that a lot of institutions come to with, with VLEs. Um, like you said, they, they sometimes become a bit of a dumping ground rather than properly integrated systems. So why did you decide to, why did, what made the final decision to actually change your product? Okay, well it's, it's kind of a standard process that we go through. Sure. At, the, at the university we, we have a process where we review the systems that we are delivering institutionally mm -hmm. on a regular basis, the VLE being one of those. Mm -hmm. Now probably about six years ago we went through a VLE review process. Uh, we looked at the marketplace, we looked at how we were using the VLE, uh, and at that point in time we decided that the product that we were using was still fit for the purpose of the university, was still the best product for the university. Uh, and what we did at that point in time is we made some changes to our minimum requirements specification for how the academics had to use the VLE across the university. Mm -hmm. So that was our VLE review six years ago. In 2016 we went back and again did a VLE review, and this time we noticed that the marketplace had changed a little bit. And there were products out there that actually looked like they may be more appropriate sure. for the university, look a little bit more intuitive, a little, a little bit more upset, a little bit more modern. Now, the only way to fully define and fully ascertain whether that's the right product for your university is to go through a procurement process. Because that's the only way you fully define your requirements. So we started that procurement process in 2016. Mm -hmm. So through 2016 and the early part of 2017, we did a requirements gathering exercise. Uh, that involved 14 working groups across the university. Uh, we called in academics, senior academics, LTAs, learning technology advisors, admin staff, technical staff, and input from the student union in putting together those requirements. We actually ended up with over 2,000 functional requirements yeah. for uh, a VLE. Mm -hmm. uh, usability was a key factor. I'll talk a little bit about usability and how we tested that further down the line. Sure. Uh, so once we got those requirements together, we, we went in 2017 into a procurement process. Okay. We had three companies tender for our business. Uh, and we awarded the contract to D2L. And in 2017-18, because we awarded the contract in August, September we went live with small-scale implementation mm. of Brightspace across, I think it was about four of our schools and about seven different courses, mm -hmm. small-scale implementation. That has given us the chance over that small-scale implementation over that first year to focus our efforts on 
preparing the academic staff for an institutional rollout, training them, um, preparing the content within the VLE, mm -hmm. configuring our interfaces to internal systems and external partners, uh, to iron out how exactly we want Brightspace to look to students. Sure. What tools are we going to use, what tools we want to have switched off. Mm -hmm. So that, that gave us a good portion of breathing space to make sure that then when we did do the institutional rollout, which happened this September, that we um, minimised any teething problems that we possibly could. Sure. So that um, rollout, as I said, started in September. We went institutional-wide in September. And as you mentioned there, there are a lot of VLE providers, right? So how did you narrow it down to D2L? Why did you choose Brightspace in the end? Yeah, sure. Uh, as I kind of mentioned previously, we had over 2,000 functional criteria, so mm -hmm. we will focus on that first of all. Sure. Uh, we got tenders in from three different companies which responded to those functional criteria. Uh, we had a um, tender marketing group, yet again consisted of LTAs, academics, uh, technical staff. And what we did was we, um, each of us took the tenders away mm -hmm. and scored them individually. So we, we really implemented a double-blind marking system on this. Sure. So we, we kind of marked them individually, then we brought them back together again. Where there was synergy between the marks, we accepted mm -hmm. that mark. Mm -hmm. Where there was a discrepancy between how people had marked that, we then discussed that as a team and came to a consensus of opinion. Now, these 2,000 functional, functional criteria were functional criteria defined to support our existing teaching and learning practice. Mm -hmm. But we were also looking at functional criteria for how we wanted to move the VLE forward and how we saw things moving into the future. Of course. Usability was a key issue. Usability was scored quite highly in our tender scoring process. And to score that, we did four sets of usability testing. Um, we did student usability testing. Mm -hmm. We bribed students with Amazon vouchers to help us out in that. Yeah. And uh, well, they spent about an hour to an hour and a half testing each of the VLEs. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we'll fill in surveys to how easy, how usable they thought the system was. Yeah. We did the same with basic staff, gave them about an hour to an hour and a half to fulfill some basic staff for, um, tests mm -hmm. for that survey. But also on top of that, we managed to persuade seven academic staff to give three days of their time and spend a full day on each VLE testing the advanced features of the VLE. Uh, and yet again, gave us their feedback on the usability at the end of it. And we also had some administrative um, usability mm -hmm. testing from our technical staff. Now, we asked why we chose D2L. Yeah. D2L won hands down both on the functionality and the usability. Uh, it scored highest in both sets of tests. Specifically, I'd like to point out in the usability tests, mm. the staff and the students thought it was great, thought it was good. Fantastic. And so you decided to move, obviously, over to using Brightspace. How did you, how did you um, fathom the move between your old VLE and your new one? Yeah, now that, that was kind of quite interesting because yeah. we, we, we changed tack half, well, not halfway through at the early stages of this. Uh -huh. We had initially intended to use the tool that D2L provide to move content from our incumbent VLE into mm -hmm. Brightspace. Uh, in fact, that was part of our procurement criteria sure. that such a tool was provided. Mm -hmm. uh, but then we started to realise that there were some issues with that. Number one, we were moving between two different VLEs, yeah. and it was a little bit like 
knocking a square peg into a round hole. Yeah. There was a degree of tidying up needed to be done after you use that tool to get the course into a reasonable format. Mm-hmm. But I think more importantly, what we started to realise was that some of the problems that I spoke to you earlier on about, like mm-hmm. the um, legacy content that was hanging around in modules, yeah. uh, the unintuitive structure of modules, would also come across into our new VLE, and we didn't want that. So we started to realise that this was a chance to transform the module offerings within the VLE. So we quickly decided to change the name of our working group from Migration Working Group to a Transformation Working Group, mm-hmm. yeah. and um, made the decision that um, we would, rather than migrate, we would rebuild those modules from scratch. Centrally, we helped to facilitate that by extracting all the content from our incumbent BLE and zipping it up and providing that to the individual module leaders mm-hmm. so that we had all the content there to rebuild that. Uh, and then we put in place a lot of measures to support staff during that build process. Sure. And what kind of measures did you use? Obviously, you'd have to train a lot of staff in using a new system. Good as me, yes. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> a lot of staff at yeah. university. Yeah. Uh, so how did you, did you manage to work with D2L on that? We, we did, we did. I mean, you know, this is the kind of process that we went through. We, we produced over 120 training videos. Wow. Uh, and 120 um, how-to guides, which reflected the same material in the videos. Some of our academics... Uh, work best with videos and work best with how-to guides. We housed this in Brightspace and we tried to bring some of the features of Brightspace into the delivery of that material. Mm -hmm. We used some adaptive release on that, some release conditions on that. Uh, We put some self-assessment quiz in there and we used awards to make some kind of gamification. Uh, What was kind of really useful for us was within Right space because there is the analytics, we could figure out who was engaging and who wasn't engaging with that training. Mm. Uh, we also ran a number of face-to-face workshops. The first tranche of face-to-face workshops was an awareness session to explain to staff what was happening and why it was happening and the benefits it would bring. Sure. The second set that we did was some um, planning workshops, which was away from the computer, where we would get module leaders and tutors to actually plan how they were going to structure their modules, what material they were going to put in their modules, just to get them to sit down and rethink their delivery mechanism within mm. the VLE. And we, we would encourage at this point for them to use some of the more interactive elements of the VLE, things like the quizzes and the discussion boards, sure. uh, and talk to them about that. And the fir- third face-to-face workshop was build workshops, sure. where we would invite academics along. It would be an open house and there would be a number of people who had experience of using Brightspace sat there waiting for academics to come to help facilitate their build process. Sure. Now, D2L helped us out a lot during some of the off-site residential courses that we mm. ran. We decided to run a number of off-site residential courses for academics who really wanted to push the boundaries, really wanted to transform their um, module offerings on the VLE. Uh, and Sophie from the, our custom success manager uh, from D2L attended every single one of those and helped us. Sophie was really good. She was very instrumental in helping that. She obviously knows the system inside out. And even the guys who were for, um, facilitating these workshops at that point in time, we were still learning as we go along. So Sophie's knowledge was key 
to making those workshops a success. In fact, they were so successful that we're running some more of those workshops later on this year mm -hmm. uh, for academics who have got their module in place but want to think about how they can make that more engaging, sure. perhaps for later on in this year or even for their offering next year. And Sophie has again has agreed to come and help us out with those workshops. Fantastic. Shout out to Sophie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. So that sounds like really rigorous training for your staff, making sure that they're really happy with it. Sure. Um, but of course, uh, learners are also the main target Absolutely. when it comes to a VLE. So how have you found um, training students or getting students ready to use a new piece of tech? We have found that uh, Brightspace is actually pretty intuitive. Great. Just as an example of that, one of the... Um, uh, courses that we ran as part of our small-scale rollout was a purely distance learning course. Right. Uh, the academic involved has had feedback from the students that they found Brightspace really too easy to use and they had no training whatsoever. Fantastic. Okay. So we, we kind of started to realise that the training that we needed to give students was relatively minimal. Mm -hmm. So what we've done is we've created an orientation video mm -hmm. which is embedded on the landing page of Brightspace, so it's the first thing the students see when they log into Brightspace. Okay. And we've created 10 slightly more um, topic-specific videos mm -hmm. and supporting how to guides for the students as well to show them how to do specific things, say for instance, set notifications sure. or submit an assignment. They're embedded both on our student hub and also within Brightspace. Now obviously students who are coming to the university for the first time will have an induction uh, on all sorts of things that happen at the university, and part of that will be a walkthrough of, of, of Bryce Post and the users. But uh, we've been doing this since September. Mm -hmm. So far, the feedback we've been getting from students has been good. Fantastic. So, yeah. so it's in place and it's, it's starting to be used. Um, and one of the greatest things about a VLE, I think, for HE institutions is obviously the data that you can garner from it. Yeah. So what leverage are you, have you got for use of that data? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, there's a few things we're looking to achieve sure. from the VLE. And I mean, one we've talked about already, which is the transformation to produce a clean, structured, consistent environment that produces mm -hmm. parity of experience for students as they move from module to module. Uh, and obviously, we've got that look at the functionality as well, the truly interactive learning environment. Mm. I think at this moment in time, we're probably only scratching the surface of that. I mean, we're using things like quizzes, discussion boards. Mm -hmm. uh, we're using uh, intelligent agents. But I'm sure there are a lot more features within Brightspace that we have not yet even mm -hmm. touched upon. Ecofolios is something that we need to have a look at. Uh, we potentially want to look at that from an employability perspective. Sure. Uh, we have use of portfolios for professional practice in a number of our skills as well. So we're going to look at that as well. But as you say about the data, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of quite important, really. Mm. Uh, I mean, one thing that the students have come back already and said is they like the progress bar. Yeah. Yes. It shows them how far through a module they have progressed. Sure. And that's a really, really simple uh -huh. measure. But likewise, academics can see that progress of each individual student through the model. Right. Okay. But what we want to use that analytics for is to be able to identify students who have potential retention or attainment issues and to be able to take some remedial action against that. Yeah. And we, we will be working on how we use that throughout the coming year. The mm -hmm. other thing that we potentially want to use those analytics for and information, and there's a host of information you can get out of the space, is to... Um, 
a look at the modules and content within those modules sure. that is not being used, not mm -hmm. getting the engagement, so that we can make year-on-year improvements in our online offering. Mm -hmm. Now, what we are quite excited about as well is the predictive analytics, mm. which after we've run for a period of time, will develop patterns uh, so that we can identify next time round students who may have retention or retainment issues at a very, very early stage and take that remedial action uh -huh. actually before it happens. So that, that's kind of quite exciting for us. Absolutely. And so what is your, there's a lot that you can pull out of that, there's a lot you, we can unpack there, but um, how have you worked with D2L um, with their, as a supplier relationship to implement all of these changes? Yeah, I, I, I kind of see D2L less as a supplier and more as a partner. Okay. Uh, they have been really, really good for us. Uh, we've talked already about how much help Sophie gave us on, sure. on, 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 on the workshops. Uh, but I feel that the partnership that we have with D2L is going to future-proof our learning environment. Fantastic. Uh, and just as an example of that, of, of what I mean, is we are involved quite deeply with D2L in their development process. Sure. Uh, during our, our first year of the small-scale implementation, we, we identified that the Turnitin integration was a little bit clunky. The mm -hmm. workflow wasn't so good. Now, for us at the University of Huddersfield, Turnitin is mission critical. So we raised this with D2L and were um, almost immediately put in touch with their product development team in Canada. Uh, and we worked with their product development team and a num number of other EU universities mm. to identify where the problems lay mm -hmm. and how we would like that integration to really work. Sure. We had probably about three hour and a half webinars with their product development. At the end of which they provided us with a 62 page document of um, proposed enhancements. Fantastic. Most of which have now been implemented, were implemented by the start of our academic term. And this is, this is kind of where we see things going. We want to be um, involved with D2L and how they develop that pro project. We have another member of staff at the moment who's very interested in e-portfolios and use of e-portfolios for professional practice, mm -hmm. who is now involved with D2L and their report for their portfolio development team. And I think this is the only real way that you can future-proof what you're doing with a supplier, is to get involved in them and mm -hmm. work with them and help to shape that development Absolutely. process. Absolutely. Yeah, so they helped you overcome the challenges that you face there, inevitably challenges yes. in every implementation, yeah. right? Yeah. Fantastic. So you've given us a really good background there about how you've been using Brightspace so far yeah. um, and, and how it's helped you. Do you have objectives going forward? Yeah, I, 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 we have loads of objectives. <laughs> yeah. I, I, think, I think our three key objectives is we, we want to an online learning experience for students that reflects and support and enhances our already recognised and excellent teaching practices at the sure. university. It's something we recognise for. We want to make sure that our online offering reflects that quality of teaching that we deliver. Of course. Uh, the analytics is something that we want to move forward with. Mm -hmm. We want to extract learner analytics to allow us to identify failing and underachieving students. Obviously, the analytics that we and the data we get out of the VLE is not the be-all and end of learning analytics. Sure. And we are looking at moving forward 
and move into a, a big data picture where we're pulling information out about library usage, attendance, mm -hmm. to get an overall picture of how much student is interacting with their studies. Sure. Uh, and the other thing is using the management information reports that we can get out of the data within VLE, we want to continue to ensure that our online teaching continues to deliver, but not just to deliver, but to deliver to the standard that we want it to deliver. Yeah, of course. Fantastic. Well, thank you for that, Andy, giving that no overview. Problem. I think we've touched on a lot of subjects there that will be familiar to, to many um, HE employees across the country. Um, at this point, I would like to urge our viewers, um, if you have any questions for our panel, please do send them in. Um, you can use the chat function here um, and just choose education technology, send them across, um, and I'll do my best to, uh, to get them to the panel for you. Um, thank you again, Andy. Ellen, yes. you've also been using Workspace, Correct. but in a somewhat of a different way, you've been using them for degree apprenticeships That's right. um, at the University of Suffolk. Could you give us a little bit of background about that? Of course, yes. yes. Um, thank you for your work on turning in. We're going to benefit from that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's been really interesting to hear what you've said because we've been working to achieve similar goals with yeah. different kinds of institution, different sizes of institution. And there's a lot of similarities and differences, I think, that will, that will come out as we talk through this. Absolutely. So, to set the scene a little bit, um, the University in Suffolk is quite a new institution. Mm -hmm. We are a very rural county. We're a large rural county with a lot of coastal and rural villages. Sure. We are not a county that is blessed with particularly brilliant public transport <laughs> connections. Um, and we don't have um, very high participation rates for OG. Mm -hmm. So, our degree apprenticeships project was uh, submitted to HEFKE as well as now for, for students mm -hmm. as part of their round two uh, degree apprenticeship development fund. And we were successful in bidding for some money and we were looking to develop three new degree apprenticeship programmes for which at least a third of the content would be delivered online. Mm -hmm. And that would help us reach more people in our County. Um, at the same time as that, we were developing a new academic strategy as part of our kind of creation and establishment as a new university. And we were also looking to review our institutional VLE. Unlike you, it wasn't something that we'd done like you know, a lot. We, you know, it wasn't a process that we'd gone through in any depth previously. And we've been with our virtual learning environment for a number of years, over 10 years. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to take it as an opportunity to go back and look at what were we trying to achieve in our learning and teaching, mm -hmm. what were the underpinning principles of our academic strategy, and how could our virtual learning environment help us deliver learning in a different way. So we had two projects going on. The degree apprenticeship project was going to kick off in September 2017, with a view to having three programmes going live, kind of now. Okay. Um, and what I'm going to do is talk through a little bit about the, the nursing project, because I'm sure I'm going to work particularly closely for DTR on. But at the same time as that, September was also when we were starting to shortlist our new virtual learning supplier. Right. Um, so we had those two projects that were closely intertwined, and we were going to see how it was going to play out through, through both of them. Absolutely. So, uh, these are our goals for design and delivery, and as I've said, we wanted to bring education to more people yeah. across our county. We wanted to be able to support employers in professionalising their workforce, mm -hmm. and for us to be able to build on our already existing partnerships and create new partnerships with employers across the county, and regionally and nationally, as, as we continue to grow. So, we were looking for a product and a project and degree apprenticeships that would deliver learning anytime, any place, anywhere. Sure. Um, and we wanted to build bridges between all of those different kinds of environments. Mm -hmm. So, we know that learning happens in the university, we know that it's happening at home, and for our nursing students, it's also happening in placement in their, in their wards, in their hospitals. Mm -hmm. But there's also the in between learning that we wanted to try and find ways to support. Yeah. 
So there are long public transport journeys. How can we support them in, in, in that kind of dead time, if you like? Or while parents are waiting to pick up the children, or while there's a project going on at home, all of those different kinds of spaces. So mm. the product needed to be responsive, it needed to be very well friendly, and it needed, uh, needed to allow students to be able to download and access content offline and online, and for lecturers to be able to do a marking offline and online. Sure. Um, we wanted to find a product that would help us sustain our existing tripartite relationships between employer, university and student. Mm -hmm. We needed to find ways of sharing information across those relationships quickly and easily, uh, seamlessly, mm -hmm. and to find ways of communicating with all of those individuals within those different communities um, in a way that suited them. Of course. Um, now, we also, I've just said we were, we were looking to develop a new academic strategy and we were trying mm. to find something that would support progressive learning, inclusive learning, yeah. active learning, that would um, kind of promote resilience within our student body, that would promote curiosity in terms of learning, would scaffold their learning processes, um, and would enable us to reward action and inaction. Um, yeah. Well, not reward inaction, poke. Yeah, you know, a <laughs> activity whether it was inaction. Yeah. What was also important to us is that while we are a new university, we are also a smaller university, and obviously smaller than Huddersfield. Um, and what we pride ourselves on is being an institution that's about names and not numbers. Yeah. So we wanted to reflect that in how we delivered our learning and how we made learning accessible to our students. And so we wanted it to be personal, we wanted it to be adaptive, we wanted it to fit in with their lives and fit in with how they, how they approach the learning, the learning modalities that you were talking about, Catherine. Um, and as well, when we're doing that, we wanted to be able to gather data. Yeah. We needed to be able to produce data for our reports back as part of the DADF project. Mm -hmm. We needed to be able to provide data to our employers as part of the apprenticeship frameworks. How are their students progressing? How are they engaging? Mm. Um, but we also wanted to use it as an opportunity for us to understand how the learning was being delivered, how it was acting and impacting on engagement. Um, how could we use that data moving forwards? Sure. So you had a, a clearly a really important educational purpose here, but... Uh, the VLE seems also to serve a social function. Absolutely, it was it was a way of bringing together different communities of learners, um, and also finding spaces for our staff within those different kinds of environments as well, and, and bringing learning outside of the university and, and recognising that not all learning is happening in that space. Of course, um, they say it uh, takes a village to raise a child, right? So, yeah. <laughs> how did you work with D2L um, in partnership to make sure that all these magnificent things came to fruition? Well. Delivery is through partnership, and yeah. it was through partnership in terms of securing which VLE we were going to buy, sure. and it was also partnership to, de to, to develop these programmes. Um, like you, Andy, when we were choosing our virtual learning environment, we the, the, the usability was 40% of our weighting. Sure. Um, so ultimately, the decision was stakeholder driven, mm -hmm. um, and it was designed by our student and by our staff populations, um, professional service staff as well as academic staff. There were user testing scenarios, there were sandboxes, there were surveys, all of that process went on in a similar way to, to Huddersfield. Um, and it was an overwhelming reaction from our staff and our students in how Brightspace was the right platform to enable us to do these things. Mm -hmm. um, and they saw technology that would enable their learning rather than acting as a barrier. Mm -hmm. And feedback since we've gone live with that has been hugely overwhelmingly supportive and positive, which is, which is fantastic. Um, we also work very closely with the creative design team in Canada. Mm. At the university, I have a team of two, uh, and certainly at that time I had a team of two. I've now acquired a learning uh, developer apprentice, um, mm. which is great. 
Um, but I had a team of two learning technologists, sure. and they were now working to uh, implement and roll out a new virtual learning environment, as well as write content for the degree apprenticeships and support uh, the course teams and moving across to them. So we needed to work with the creative design team. Um, so I had weekly conversations with, um, with the project manager in Canada, and we found it quite a challenging process to start with. As a small team at the university, we understood the language, we could work implicitly, Sure. Um, we, we knew what was going on, we could go to the course teams, you know, it was, it was, a, it was an equal, equal relationship. Suddenly this was a new relationship with a new supplier and we didn't speak the same language immediately. So we had to learn that and we had to learn to work with their proforms and their templates, which kind of grated against our flexible approach to start with. Of course. In hindsight, what we found is there's, there's some strengths to that because mm -hmm. we can now use some of those to work with our course teams to help them understand what some of the questions they need to be asking when they're building their own content moving forward. Sure. Um, so there was a lot of going backwards and forwards, um, checking documentation, answering questions, making sure that you know all the images were you know carefully attributed and, and all of that kind of thing. Um, so that's one of the key ways that we've worked with with, with DTR moving forward. Mm. Um, we also wanted to look at the different roles we had, we had within our virtual learning environment and how sure. that would support the partnerships. We had the clinical educators working in hospitals, supporting students in that space and, and helping them with the application of their practice and the development of their practice. We've also got quite a unique role in the nursing uh, programme that's the Enhanced Personal Tutor. And they sit within the academic course team, but they also go out and work with the clinical lead and with the student in placement and really start to tie together those learning experiences for them. Mm. And there's also the student in there as well. So how could we support and what was that partnership and how could we further it yeah. through, through the right space implementation? Like you, we were interested in intelligent agents. Yeah. Um, how would they help us design the learning activities and do that poking and rewarding? Um, we were looking at ePortfolio and how it would help us move beyond the paper-based documentation that are required through the professional statutory regulatory bodies, and, yeah. but also encourage students to reflect on their practice. It's good learning behaviour, it's good professional behaviour, so let's start preparing for employment and career-ready graduates, right? Exactly. Um, and then there's the whole learner analytics piece as well. So we wanted to be able to identify pinch points in the learning programme. Were there too many assessments at one point? Were there too many, too many types of the same assessment at, at one point? Um, how could we use that data to better support our students, prevent mm -hmm. some of the crises that might happen, but also start moving towards a curriculum that was data-driven and design? Yeah. Uh, so did you manage to access data from the Bright Space Bailey in order to reflect on these pinpoints? We will do. We will do. Um, and what I'll show you in these this last couple of slides is some of the work that we've done and where we're getting yeah. to and how we think that the, um, the learner analytics and that data will help with that. Yeah. So the first one of these um, is how we've started to develop standardised templates that are branded in line with our university. It's not something that we were able to do in our previous iteration. We had a very kind of vanilla approach to learning design templates in that, in that space. What we've been able to do is create a different look for different schools, but also for our different partner colleges mm -hmm. and also for our apprentices. So we're bringing the University of Suffolk out to all of those different communities and making students members of those communities and trying to reinforce that kind of sense of belonging mm -hmm. when they come in. It also starts to establish that consistent set of experiences so students know what they're looking at and, and how it might work as they progress through those different modules. Rather than having links to VLE, um, to video content in VLE, we've actually been able to embed it. So yeah. it's immediately engaging, it's immediately eye-catching, and, it, and it's, it's visual. And so for our students with, who respond more, you know, more readily to, to, visual, to visual learning, it's there, it, it's hooking them in. Which is increasing in popularity now, right, as well. Absolutely. A lot of people are saying that video is the 
the future of, of HE and yeah. Just and it, it also better reflects the kind of experiences they're having in their own kind of uh, outside of learning communities, if you like. Again, getting them work ready. Absolutely. Uh-huh. So the other thing we've been able to do is embed those discussion points. So mm-hmm. we've got a video there, we're asking students to look at it, but then we're asking them to reflect upon it. Mm-hmm. So they're asking, we're asking them to put something into the ref- their portfolio, the reflective diary, um, but also share that with their peers. And we'll be reinforcing that idea of peer learning, peer support, which is invaluable in the hospital environment as well. Mm-hmm. Moving on then, we're starting to look at our social learning analytics. Sure. Now this isn't our data, this is data that I've lifted from um, D2L marketing information. Sure. But what it does demonstrate is that kind of social learning activity. We've got sociograms there that help to understand how different students are engaging mm. and where students aren't engaging. So we can we can work with the course teams that we need to draw that student in, we need to redesign that activity, we need to introduce them to other members of their peer group. Sure. Um, but it's also about being able to understand the grades and the benchmarking. Students can see their progression through the modules, they can see ultimately where they're, where they're starting to pitch themselves within their, their peer group. Mm. That will build into the Bigger Learner Analytics project, which we will be looking at like you in the coming year. Um, and it really starts to help us understand what we are doing to develop learning that supports our learners, allows them to progress, allows them to achieve, and helps us as an institution really help to bring learning out across our across our county and more regionally, nationally and internationally as well. Fantastic. So you, you touched on there that um, you will be able to use learning analytics um, in a more broad sense yeah. soon. Um, it will take you a long time to build up um, the, the base data for this. Is you that need right? a year's data a year. I suppose, really, to get a good picture of what's going on. Okay, great. And Catherine, you might be able to speak to this also. Um, tech famously moves at lightning speed. Um, a year is quite a long time in, mm-hmm. in the world of tech. How can you ensure that you're future-proofing your institution by investing in, in Brightspace, in this technology? I think it comes down to that partnership working, as you were saying. You know, you buy a system that's responsive, you buy a system that, that listens, you're buying into a company that listens, and it is a partnership. And it does go backwards and forwards, and, and there are regular communications and updates. And it's that development ability. Absolutely. I mean, I think that, that's something that I'm really happy has come out of both Andy Allen's presentations, is that for D2L, we truly do see ourselves as an education and technology partner for the institutions that we work with. And part of that is that we realise that transforming education today and transforming education in 2030, 2050 will look very different. Technology is currently moving at an absolutely lightning pace and we want to be actively collaborating with our customers and with the institutions we work with to make sure that they can meet all of their pedagogical needs today, tomorrow and into the future together, really, for us. That's the important thing. Fantastic. So lots of collaboration. It's great to hear. Uh, well, thank you guys. That's been a really interesting insight into, into how you've been using everything. Um, I do have a few questions okay. from our viewers today. And again, there's still time. So if you, you're sitting out there with some burning questions, please do send them in. Um, I'll do my best to address them to the panel. Um, so the first thing I wanted to ask about was sort of um, integrations. Andy, you touched on um, legacy content earlier. Um, in, in your yeah. talk. Um, someone has asked, what functions um, integrate Brightspace with student record systems that are, that are existing? Is it just SITS? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll pick that one up. Uh, yeah, we, we have a full integration with Brightspace and SITS. Sure. Okay, we, we have our own development team. Uh, um, SITS is, a, is an on-premise SITS, mm-hmm. so we can extract data from SITS. Uh, and poke things into the data in SITS as well. Great. Okay, so what we're actually doing is we're, we're doing all our enrolments into D12 for all our modules, enrollments, some enrollments, course changes, module changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
by taking extracts from SIT and then using the API, uh, Valence API, uh, to actually send that data into D2L and get those enrollments done. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also pulling data from our time learning system, Scientia, mm-hmm. uh, and we're using the API yet again to push that data into um, Brightspace to create groups within modules uh, and to assign um, tutors to the modules uh, that are there already. One of the things that we have just started doing, which is mm-hmm. kind of quite exciting for us, mm-hmm. is we are extracting data on the assessments from SITS. Uh, we're extracting that into a file which a widget on the homepage of each module can read and an academic can then select from that data which assessments they want creating within Brightspace. Okay, great. Okay, it automatically creates those and creates the columns. Mm-hmm. Another point in time we have is to unique ID for that grade column, okay. uh, which we store away in the database, mm-hmm. which means that as those grades are populated within Brightspace, we can pick those grades up from Brightspace and move them back into SITS. So we're kind of trying to automate the whole process of grade harvesting and assessment creation within Brightspace using the data that's in SITS. I think we'll come to talk to you. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're getting there. I think what it has highlighted for us is that to be able to achieve this, you need conformity of your data and structure within SITS for that to work. Sure. So there's some work for us over next year to make sure that across the university, uh, our, our student regular system is used in the same way. Yeah, well, that's a fantastic thing to be able to achieve, and it's certainly yeah. high on our on a list of things that yeah. we need to do mm. um, because it will just streamline so much and really improve um, the working processes of, of what we're doing as an institution. So it has an administrative uplift as well. Absolutely, which is so incredibly important in today's workload, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Um, I've also been asked. Um, are you using the VLE or can the VLE be used only for educational classes or are you using it for professional development of your staff as well? And you mentioned earlier that um, in, in the training for Brightspace you actually use some of the VLE. Yeah, and it, it is something that we're looking at. Mm. Uh, we're looking at consolidating all our staff development, all our CPD onto Brightspace. It's something we're in very early stages of at sure. this moment in time. Yes, we would like to do that. Yeah, I don't know if you're doing anything on that. It's something we're starting to look at, absolutely. So one of the pieces of feedback we have is that sometimes it can be difficult to identify all the different learning opportunities that are happening across the institution, whether they're being delivered by the research side of the the institution, Mm -hmm. learning teaching, learning services, where where I am, Mm -hmm. um, IT, HR-driven, you know, that that staff management uh, and leadership workshop type function as well. So we're looking at how we create that hub space within Brightspace. Um, we will be able to give access to it to all of our staff across our learning networks and our partners, to our postgraduate research students, to our students who work as staff as part of the university, the student ambassadors, that kind of thing. So it's kind of added motivator for students to engage in kind of employ- employability type tasks and further their wider skill set as well. Absolutely. We're looking at how we can integrate things from we use a lot of the spoon share products to deliver our library services, LibCal, LibAnswers, LibGuides, all of those different things. So we're looking at how we can drop and create workshop timetables, drop those into Brightspace, use the functionality behind that to be able to um, automate and um, and bring online the booking processes behind those things. Sure. Pops the information into diaries, people can get a little bit of the information and share their responses in Brightspace as well. So it becomes a social kind of tool for furthering for, for that. Again, streamlining everything. Yeah, 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 and we're also looking at how 
um, slightly differently. We have a social work um, team who do work as part of a network across Europe, mm. and we, we will be looking at how we can use Brightspace mm. to, to support that across across Europe and that network as well. So that's external to the university. Fantastic. That's great. And sort of leading on from that, how, if you have been using Brightspace for some CPD, mm-hmm. how has the education of your faculty and staff improved since you've been using the, the central repository? I think what has really impacted some of our staff, particularly those engaged with the De- Degree of Friendship project, mm-hmm. is how much they understand about blended learning. Yes. And the fact that it is about bringing those environments together. It's not about posting something online sure. and, and student going there and clicking on a PowerPoint presentation, but it is integrated, it is active. Um, and we've been using, you know, the, like the PHA definition of what blended learning is, so mm-hmm. we can help staff understand and further learn the learning teaching um, skill set of, of some of our academic and our professional services staff to be able to deliver that. I think, from, I think from our perspective, and it, this was kind of something that was kind of quite unexpected, mm. is that an actual change of VLE has given us the opportunity to engage all our academic staff mm-hmm. in VLE training. Like a refreshing Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Step. it's kind of, you, you need to learn this, you know nothing about it. Yeah. You have to come and learn this. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm quite pleased at the uptake we've had on our training uh, and, and how that's gone over the last year and the fact that staff are actually engaging with our training and giving us positive feedback about the products as well. They get away excited from the training yeah. and their, their, their engagement with it, and it's fantastic. That's really nice to hear. I think that's a really interesting point, actually. Something I hear from universities kind of day in, day out is really that sometimes to spark innovation, that change is really enough. You know, yeah. it's a new tool that people are excited to use, they immediately engage with it from the get go, and it drives forward that pedagogical innovation, which is so crucial these days. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very, very positive. That's so nice to hear. Um, a couple more questions. Um, so we have one here um, talking about the migration or transmission um, from uh, an old system to new. Uh, how long does it take for staff to move materials from your original VLE over to Brightspace? Uh, yeah, that, that's an interesting question. That is an interesting question. You're saying you zipped up Yeah, we, 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 we zipped up the material in the first instance to, sure. to, to give them that starting point. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in reality, to get a module ready to a point where you could start teaching with it, mm. you're probably only looking about two to three hours worth of work. Wow. Uh, Detail's got some really good functionality that helps to speed things up, like drag and drop functionality. Yes, it's easy to structure structure the code. But the thing that you need to realise is with building the modules, you don't necessarily need to build a full year's module for day one of the first term. Sure. As long as you've got enough content in there to actually get your students up and running through those first few weeks, you can then continue to build throughout that year. Sure. So yeah, probably about two or three hours per module, I would say. Obviously, some of our academics have put in an awful lot more effort and a lot more work to build a full year's module and to make it as interactive and interesting as they possibly can. Academics who've put um, quite complex quizzes in there, sure. that takes more time. Sure. But to get to that basic stage, I would say about two to three hours. Fantastic. And the use of templates within the system helps that as well. Sure. Yeah. So you, you know, you create, there are spaces there where you, they could, you know, people can see very easily and quickly where they can drag and drop the information and, and materials and resources and videos and features and quizzes and all of that kind of stuff into it. So it's, it is a quick little process. Yeah. Right. Nice and intuitive yeah. um, process. Grand. 
And um, again, talking about um, training staff and, and moving them through this process, did you create specific pathways for the training, or as it sounds, it's, it's pretty intuitive, so it's already built into the system? We've kind of done both, I think, and we'll continue to do both. Um, so we had we've, we had some kind of open sessions for staff to come along to mm -hmm. and ask specific questions about. We've gone into specific course teams and worked with them, highlighting bits of content and working through, you know, not live material, but I mean, usable material, but sure, what's going to be delivered. We've done one-to-one -one work with, with academics to unpick different things. We're going to be rolling out workshops where we work with course teams to do that paper-based exercise. What is this module about? What am I trying to do? Um, what am I trying to achieve? What are the outcomes? And how do we pull all of that together? Yeah. So two, we're doing two different, two different ways of doing it. Fantastic. And I think we're running out of time, okay. so we've got one more question that I can squeeze in. Um, and you've talked so in depth about what you've been doing, and it, it sounds as though um, there's a lot there, both from your institutions and from D2L available for your staff. Someone has asked, can we access the how-to guides? Oh, our how-to guides. Uh, uh, I'm not too certain about that. Uh, <laughs> our how-to guides are very much based around the procedures at our institution. Very specific. Well, I mean, they're very specific to our institution. What I would say is that D2L have a host of learning resources out there. Right. Uh, we adapted those specifically for our institutional processes and how we work at Huddersfield. So much as, yeah, I'm sure you could have our how-to guys, I don't really think it would be that much use to you. Sure. Um, in terms of Suffolk, everything that we develop is on our LibGuys site, um, so libguys.us.us.uk. Um, so anything that's there, one means have a look, but as, as Anne said, they will be tailored to, to what we're trying to do and the information support that, that Brightspace provides, DTL provides, Brightspace, in their community, it's fantastic. Sure, great, so maybe we direct you to the D2L website and uh, you guys can help out. Sure, most of the user information you can have with will be at our community site, which is community.brightspace.com, and that's all freely available on documented. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, guys, for this conversation this afternoon. Mm -hmm. I know that it's been super interesting and educational for me. I'm sure, I hope it has been for our viewers also, especially to our viewers for joining us. Uh, this has been Education Technology, D2L and University Business on BLEs and Strategic Success in HE. Thank you so much. Thank you.